0: All right, well, good morning. I have a joke for you today. Usually I don't have jokes, but a really fun thing happened this week. I was sitting at Pure Bread, and um, a lady came in. And she just started sharing a joke with everyone, and it was really, really funny. And I actually had heard that joke just in a little bit of a different twist from Hadassah. So Hadassah came home one day and told me this joke, so I'm going to give props to Hadassah. And so the joke is this. Many of you may have heard it. Why can't Jesus go into the jewelry store? He'll break every chain! <laughs> yeah! That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. <laughs> I don't like giving jokes, but I think that was a good one. Um, okay, so there you go. Anyways, I, 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 if you guys know me and you've heard me speak before, I uh, I take this, this opportunity really, really seriously because, for one, you're giving your time, and your time is valuable, and I want to honor that. And so you've showed up today in expectation and excitement to hear something from the Lord. And so I take it really, really seriously. And so um, usually what I do throughout the week is, well— Aaron and I had this conversation. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to talk about. And this has happened to me a lot lately. And he's like, well, don't you have any in the, um, shoot, what was the word he used? Don't you have any in the, yeah, like in the reserve. Like, you know, like, don't you got anything stuck away? Like, what's the Lord speaking to you? What's he been saying? What did you make notes on? And I'm like, (laughs) well, that's fine. I could pluck something probably, but like my personality is such, and I care so deeply about you and the Lord, that I just, I'm this type of person. I just want to know, God, what do you want me to say? And I want to say it. I want to say it right. I want to do it well. And like, that's just my personality. So I don't know if any of you could relate to that. Like, you know, it's not a flippant situation. It's serious. It's the Lord. And it's fun. So anyway, um, I spent the week with some friends and I I just kind of was like, I don't, they're like, what are you talking about? Or what are we speaking on? I don't have a clue. I don't know. And I love to hear what people feel the Lord is doing. And I'm talking about people that come here. So I feel like they kind of have a, a grid for kind of what's going on. And so I just like take it all in. I'm listening. Like, okay, what are you sensing? What are you feeling? Also, you're out in public. You, you're you around other people that just aren't in the church. And like, what do you feel the Lord? And so I'm just like plugging away, taking notes. And this happened for about three or four days. I was just like jotting things down, jotting things down. And I'm like trying to figure out what, does any of that resonate, is anything, do I feel like the Lord is like, that's it, you know, and so just kind of leaning into it, and I started to think about what Steve, I listened to Steve's message last week, which was so good, thank you, Steve, Um, and this whole idea of perspective, and in one of the quotes he said, I made sure to write it down, is our perspective can get clouded by things we go through, and I was like, man, that is so true, and for me, more often than I'd like to admit, I allow the cloudiness of my perspective to just dictate everything in my life. The minute I wake up, like Brittany was saying, I need the Lord. But all the different things that happen in my life that cause me to my perspective to be shifted. When I think that the way I'm viewing things and the way I'm seeing things is through Jesus, because I'm a Christian and I love Jesus and all this stuff, but the reality is if we haven't looked inside and examined our heart, there might have been and probably is some things that have come along that's clouded that perspective that's caused my view or the way I see things or people or myself to be tilted. Even if it's just a little bit off to the side, could you imagine, like if I just took a little bit of a left turn, eventually it takes me in such a wrong direction. And so the priority of making sure that our perspective and our gaze and what we're looking at is just direct. And that's probably part of my like, whole thing of like, I want what's to, what's the Lord saying? Like, <laughs> I don't want to go here. And, uh, and so anyways, I, when I heard Steve saying that, I'm like, that is so pivotal for us to recognize and to deal with. It's one thing to recognize it. It's another thing to take ownership of it, deal with it, and fix it, right? So yeah, we have stuff that happens to us. It changes the way we see things. It kind of t- pivots and tilts things. Okay, fine. Fix it. You see it, fix it. Get it back on track. And so that was the other thing. I thought, I might be a little bit harsh today. And <laughs> Lord, <laughs> is that okay? And then Taddy leans up to me and she's like, I, I'm just hearing the word clearance and I think that's what it was. I felt like that, that was just the clearance, the permissions to step on your toes. So I hope that you wore good shoes for it. Um, I might step on your toes, and in fact, I hope I do, because the reality is that if I don't, then you have a problem, not me. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but my goal is the Bible, and in the Bible it does say that the word is sharp. It is sharp, and it penetrates, and that's the goal today, is I want you to leave your feeling sharpened, like penetrated, like ah, that got me. And so, would you put your hand on our heart? Because I feel like the Lord wants to deposit deep, deep, deep revelation this morning, and it is not something that I can reveal to you, but it's only through the Holy Spirit. And so we're just gonna ask the Holy Spirit just to give deep revelation. So thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. Lord, that we have moved your heart thank you for the vision of you just pumping us and that vision that Brittany had of the heart and then just the connection that's there and so we just know that we've moved your heart this morning I know that you've moved ours I know that you're already doing something in us and so now I just ask Holy Spirit would you just come and I just ask for deep revelation that is so specific to every single heart in the room doesn't have to be the same, it doesn't have to look all the same, Lord, but Holy Spirit, you come and you bring the revelation of your love, of who you are, and why you're so worthy. We need deep, deep revelation to pivot us, to change us, not just a good word, but a revelation that only you can bring, Holy Spirit, so we are open and willing to receive. And I thank you that you are good and you will do what you say and what you promise. And so we just received that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So then as Steve is prompting us with this idea of perspective, I thought the greatest perspective, the greatest visual, the greatest way that we can see things is only through who? Him. He has to be our perspective. Last night, the, the dance, Caleb was talking about the dance, and my girls had, we had, I found these red heart glasses um, at Target in the dollar bin, and so they had these cute little red heart glasses on, and when you put them on, those were, that was the perspective that they were seeing things through, and everything looked different, everything had a red tint to it, everything changed, the way things looked changed, because the, the lens or whatever it was right here in front of them changed every single thing they saw, every single thing was affected by that. And that is what I want us to capture today, is that if Jesus, if our eyes leave Jesus, then our perspective changes. Everything that we see is not seen through him, it is seen through ourselves, our world, it is seen through what we read, through what we hear, through what we sing, through people, and that is not the perspective or the gaze that I want to have. And so we need that deep revelation so that we can understand. Like, I could say, like, we have to keep our perspective, our gaze on Jesus, and you're like, okay, and now I'm just, like, looking at his face. But if we don't have the revelation in our heart of what he has done, what he is worthy of, what he saved you from, what he has given his life for, then I can look at Jesus and not be moved. I can look at Jesus and still walk in sin. I can look at Jesus and still be bitter and have unforgiveness in my heart. I can look at Jesus and still have comparison issues or struggles and all this stuff because I'm not changed, because I'm not looking at the understanding of who he is and what he's worthy of. And it's not something that I could just tell you and then you capture it. You've got to get it for yourself and here. I don't know. I don't, I can't say to you what that looks like when you get that revelation, but what you do need is a hunger for it. And it's, it's okay to say, I'm hungering for a deeper understanding of you, and I don't even know what that looks like, but I just want it. And I think that's where a lot of us also get stopped. Well, what am I going after? What, I I don't know. And we're just like, I'm just not going to do anything because I don't know. Stop it. I don't care if you don't know. He doesn't care if you don't know. You're not going to always figure him out. But it's the hunger and pursuit that's inside of you to desire to want to see change in yourself, to want to see change in others, to want to see change in the world. Complaining about things and posting all kinds of things and griping about things isn't changing the world. But it's the love that's in you, that's shown to others, that changes the world. This is what Steve was talking about last week. Okay, so I'm sitting down this morning to kind of like put all my notes together because I had a ton of pages of like all kinds of jiggled out stuff, and I'm like, I I need order. So I sit down, and before I could even sit down, the Lord dropped the verse in my heart that it was not even on my radar, and this is what I'm talking about, the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He just drops things, and it wasn't even on your radar. I wasn't planning for this, but He was, and so here I am, and I hear the verse in Mark 12, 28 through 31, Um, and I want to read that this morning, because this is where we're going to start. So in Mark 12, 28 through 31. This is when the Pharisees, and that means like the people who are questioning Jesus, and they're trying to like stick him, and they're trying to get him to mess up. This is, they're questioning him. And so it says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard Jesus arguing with the Sadducees. Seeing that Jesus gave good answers to the questions, he asked Jesus, Which of the commands is most important? Jesus answered, The most important command is this, Listen, people of Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord then it says love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul all your mind and all your strength the second commandment is this love your neighbor as you love yourself there are no commands more important than these so i break it down into three things number 1 love god number 2 love yourself and then number 3 love others Love the Lord your God, and then love others as you love yourself. I know that Steve talked a little bit about this. Loving ourselves has to come first. We can only give what we have, and if we don't love ourselves, there ain't no way we can love anybody else. Right? Okay, so those three. Now, as I started to think about this, I'm like, oh, if I'm loving God with a a A tilted perspective, or if my gaze is on other things, then my love for him is going to be iffy, right? If I'm trying to love myself, but I haven't had an understanding of who I am in Christ, there is no way that I'll be able to fully love myself. And if I don't understand how God loves me, there is no way that I would ever have the grace or the power that it takes to love others. Am I right? Ah. Because then you have like, people that just annoy you so much, and you're just like you see them and you start to go, <sighs> and I'm like, oh my lord, I don't know. I think, uh, no, I won't say that. Okay, and so you love God, love yourself, and love others. So now, here's here is where this all kind of came together for me, is this importance of our gaze, there the 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 value and the significance and where our eyes are looking, and there's so many verses in the Bible about talking about the eyes or the the. Lamp foot of your body, and all of these different things, and the value and importance of our eyes, and where we are looking, and what every decision we make, and how it is impacted by the lens that we see through. So, I thought I thought of the uh, the Bible story in Matthew 14. I'm going to read it. They're not going to put it up there because I wanted to read it in the message version, and we don't have it. So I'm just wanting you to listen. Um, Okay, so I'm going to read this. It says, As soon as the meal was finished, he insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. With the crowd dispersed, he climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. He stayed there alone late into the night. Meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea when the wind came up against them, and they were battered by the waves. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. They were scared to death. A ghost, they cried, crying out in terror. He said, come ahead, and jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. This is the part. But when he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink. He cried, Master, save me. The two of them climbed into the boat, and the wind died down. The disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, worshiped Jesus, saying, This is it. You are God's son for sure, but Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. Peter suddenly bold said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand, and he said, Faint heart, what got into you? To me... I know a lot of times when we talk about this, we just talk about the faith piece. Like, oh, he lost faith. He, he doubted. He didn't know if it was Jesus. But in this situation, when I'm trying to talk about it in the context of what are we looking at, the moment, the second he looked at the waves, his eyes his eyes lost the lock. I'm going like this because I don't know why, but I just feel like... People online! No!
1: <laughs> Jesus!
0: When he lost the eye-to-eye connection, that contact immediately, his perspective shifted. Everything changed, and he began to sink. And so that tells me that there's something really, really, really important about where we're looking and who we're looking at and how we see things through who we're looking at. If I'm depending on my husband and everything that he says, and now I'm doing everything based on what he says, and I'm only leaning and looking at him for his direction, I'm gonna be way off. Especially with Aaron side now, because there's sometimes when he gets way over here, if you know him, he, I'm needed like, come on or come back this way, right? No matter what, it could be a coworker, it could be situational at work. Whatever the case may be, whatever you have your eyes on, if the Lord isn't who you're looking through. To see that stuff, you're going to sink. That's just, that's what happened. He lost his connection in the eyes with the Lord, and he went down. And so, this whole idea of our gaze, and I don't know why, I just, I really like the word gaze, because when I think of the word gaze... I think of, like, when you're holding a baby and it's, like, drinking its bottle or it's nursing with its mom, there's, like, this, this, like, gaze that the baby has with the mom, and it's, like, I picture that. I want to be so mesmerized, so just tangled up, and, and that being my main thing, that I just, all I can do is just gaze up at the Lord, in awe and wonder and thankfulness and gratefulness, all of those things, that's how I'm gazing at Him. And that's what he desires of us, because he loves us so much, he just wants us to be infatuated with him, and he wants to be infatuated with us, which he is, right? Okay, so we need to understand that greatest commandment that I mentioned at the beginning about loving God, loving yourself, and loving others. So I'm going to break it down into three things, and remember see, I tend to teach. I'm like a teacher at heart. It's part of like my personality, and so I have everything very nicely organized, and I was even trying to put together a PowerPoint this morning, but I was like, that's not going to be fair to the team, so I just have my nice notes here, but I want want to teach, and I want to tell you all these things, but it is the Holy Spirit that I believe, as I'm speaking, that's going to drop deep revelation in your heart. If there are, um, what's the word, deficits, In any of these areas, I know the Holy Spirit's going to bring it to your attention. And if there is any of you, all of us rather, that lack a revelation of Him and who He is that we all need, the Holy Spirit's going to get us there. We're going to just be like mesmerized. Okay, so first, love God. This is who He is. The whole part of this, who He is. How I view Him. Learning who He is. Do I view Him as a judging Father who's going to come down and come down on me? Do I view him as a loving God? Do I view him as someone who is so proud of me? How do I view him? And then to understand that to love God, we need to know that he is worthy. And we have to understand why, why he is worthy. Well, here you go. Number one, he is the creator and giver of your life. You don't need to know anything else. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. So all your other stuff is less important than him. Everything else is less important than he is. And well, that's what it should be. That's how it should be in our lives, right? P.S. I'm preaching to myself, honestly, because I know when I look at my life, sometimes it goes like like my priorities are like deep deep, you know, we need come on, come back here. And so he is the creator and the giver of your life. If you don't recognize that, have a deep revelation of that, or a deep understanding of that, you might get bored in worship. Did you hear that? So, like, if you don't understand that, you might purposely come in 25 minutes late to Upper Room, because you know then you still get half of worship. But your value and understanding of who he is and what he's worthy of isn't quite there because if it was, you would be racing to get here, racing to be in his presence with your brothers and sisters, racing to have every opportunity. Now, some days we are in bad moods, right? We're grumpy. I'm just saying who he is and what he's worthy of is revealed through Jesus. So if you want to know about God, look at Jesus. Look at how Jesus lived his life. Look at how he walked the earth. Look at how he treated people who weren't like him. People who didn't think the way he thought. People who had different political views than him. I mean, it goes on and on. Really? How did Jesus treat people? That is who God is. Okay, Merciful, gracious, compassionate. He's a—he's the judge. He's loving and kind, etc., etc., etc. I made this on my note because I didn't want to say it, so I'm gonna say it again. And I don't know if it's just because I love to worship, or if I, you just need to hear this. But my ability to worship reflects—I really, I'm <laughs> my ability to worship reflects my revelation of Him. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to flag like Pam. I'm not saying that if you don't flag, then you don't have a a revelation of Jesus. But like I said, the Holy Spirit is bringing the conviction in the room. My ability to worship reflects, maybe I should also say my ability and willingness to worship. It's a heart thing. I don't care if you're sitting there. I'm not even judging you. The Lord is looking at your heart. If your heart is in worship, but you're just sitting there, who, he that's He's thrilled. If your heart is in worship and you're flagging your guts out, the Lord is thrilled. If your heart's not in worship but you're flagging your guts out, the Lord is not thrilled. That's about you. That's not about him. So, he's going to bring revelation of who he is and conviction of our willingness to recognize who he is, and where our lack is. Uh, I want to read Revelation 4. I love, 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 love this um, chapter of the Bible. I'm only going to read verses 8 through 11. I've read it a lot up here, especially during worship time, but I want to read this to you. It says, let's see, where's verse 8? Each of these fo- this is when John has a vision of heaven, and it says, each of these four living creatures had six wings and was covered all over with eyes inside and out. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He was, He is, and He is coming. These living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. Then the 24 elders bow down before the one who sits on the throne, and they worship Him who lives forever and ever. They put their crowns down before the throne, and they say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power because you made all things. Everything existed and was made because you wanted it. Everything. Your success is because of him. Everything. Everything. Your, your family, your marriage, your everything was because of him. And if you can't, man, if you can't, like, allow your heart to engage in an opportunity of worshiping him, then I feel that you lack revelation and appreciation and thankfulness of him and who he is. And again, you don't have, it doesn't have to look a certain way, but it does look like something. It does look like something. It doesn't have to look a certain way. I think I think that makes sense. <laughs> okay? All right, moving on. Love God. That was love God. Now, love yourself. And I think that a lot of us can can love God. I think that, I don't think that that's as, I think for most people, it's probably not a huge, huge, huge hang up. Can, do Do I think that we can get deeper in loving him? Yes. But I think where a lot of us get real, 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 real stuck is the next one, and that is the loving yourself. In this In this section, we talk about, who am i how i view myself isn't that interesting because the first part were how w- how we view god so where's our gaze second part how i view myself am i gazing through him to see myself and then i am worthy of his love so when we love god he is worthy and now this part of loving myself is when we recognize i am worthy I am worthy of receiving his love. It's everything Caleb was saying. I am worthy of his love. And that's where a lot of us can get hung up. All right, so I'm going to blast through three verses. The first one is Psalm 139, 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Keep it up there. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, you are not an accident. There is a reason that you are here. There is a reason that you were born to the family that you were born into and the moment that you were born and the day, at the hour, at the year, everything. I see that over our children, too. I know we, we talked about that a little bit, but, man, I don't know about you, and I, I worry about my kids. I'm like, I don't know how they're going to make it. But I remember Sue saying, they were born for such a time as this. They God knew that Olivia needed to be born in 2009 to face the people and the things that she faces now so that she can blaze a trail for him, for the kingdom. She is equipped. He wanted her here at this time for that purpose. Same with you. you even if you're 95, you're still here for a reason. There's a reason you were born at the specific time. You were made fearfully. You were made wonderfully. You were perfectly created. And I not think I'm speaking to hearts right now. That is truth because it's in the Bible. The Bible is true. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay, let's read Genesis, uh, what is it, 127. Yeah. Yeah? No? Okay. I have a Bible here. It's like page one. Here we go. So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. He created them male and female. So you were created with a purpose at the time that you were created. Okay? He created you in his image. You are created in the image of God. You were created to be like Him. There are things in your character that are just like the Lord's. You have the character of the Lord. You were created in His image. That's amazing. That means you are worthy of being loved. You are worthy of receiving the love of Christ because you were made in His image. Okay, John 3, 16. It's a classic. Let's read it. Of course, in Tip City Church of the Nazarene, I learned this in Bible Quizzing, day one. 316, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him may not be lost but have eternal life. He sent his son to die for you. That's how important you are. That's how lovable you are. Man, I know it sounds repetitive, but I think I'm cracking into something. Jesus was perfect. He did not have to die. He could have called on all the angels to come and take him off the cross. He didn't have to suffer. He didn't have to bleed. He didn't have to get beaten. He didn't have to get mocked. None of that. But he did because of you. Not because of just me. Not because of someone else. Not because that person deserved it more. No, because he knew, right, because he created you, that you would need him, and he loved you, and he wants to be with you. He doesn't want to be separated from us. And so for that reason, he said, yep, I'll do it. He died, and now we recognize if the Savior of the world is willing to do that for me, God the Creator sent himself to the earth to walk and experience the things that we do, then I am worthy of love. I am worthy of his love. I am worthy to love myself and to recognize who I am in him. I am a daughter. I am a son of Christ that is who I am. I'm an heir to the throne. I am adopted by the Spirit. I have access to heaven. I am worth fighting for my own life. I am worth fighting through sin. I am worth sticking it out for my family. I am worth not giving up. I am worth pushing through. I am worth saying yes to the Lord. I am worth (laughs) being stretched and pulled and pushed and put into things that I don't really want to do, but the Lord wants me to, so I'll do it. And so I'm worth that. I am worth that. You are worthy of his love. That's got to be a revelation that we get. That's the only way we can love ourselves. can we can we look at ourselves and see things that we want to change or get better at, or things that we're not necessarily unhappy at? Absolutely. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, as long as that doesn't become the way that we see ourselves all the time. Maybe i I need to be less negative. Okay. But he created me positive, and that's how I'm going to see myself. I'm going to shift my mind, renew my mind like Christ's mind, and now I'm slowly becoming a more positive person. You see how that happens? So it's not like we're ignoring some of the stuff we need to work on because we've got crap we need to deal with, people. Deal with it! But we don't live there. That's silly. That makes me so mad. When people know they've got all this stuff they live, they'd rather sit in their crap. That's funny. I don't mean like literally. Literally. But, you know, they messes. They will rather sit there than deal with it and walk out in freedom and peace. Why? It gets comfortable. Isn't that weird? How does it get—I mean, babies walk around in their poop, and they seem to be comfortable. Have you ever noticed that? Like, I remember, like, it's like you change your diaper, and you're like, you've been running around in that for, like, 45 minutes, and you're fine with it? Well, that's a parallel to us in our lives. Seriously, don't you think, though? I mean, I'm, I noticed that. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, we don't want to sit in our poopy diapers. So, anyways, we need to recognize that we're loved. It's a revelation. It's coming. Uh, okay, part three is loving others. And so, love God. That's who he is. Loving myself is knowing who I am. And then loving others, I really felt like it's like this idea of knowing who he is, to others. And when we look at it like that, we begin to take ownership and understanding that who I am and how I love myself, I'm actually representing him to others. And so, as we start to think about this piece of loving others, I need to start thinking about, am I showing who he is to others? Am I representing the father to my co-workers? Am I representing the father to my kids to you guys, I mean, that's the question, is who he is to others, and we are the perf- we get to be an example of who he is as we walk around this earth. Now, he reveals himself, he does, because you all going to walk out of here, including me, with a whole new revelation of who he is, in addition to what we already knew. And so he does that for others. But also, like Steve said, it's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. And so in our kindness, and as we represent who he is, that's what's leading people into a deeper relationship, deeper encounter and deeper understanding of God. And so this is loving others. Now, when we talked about loving God, we said how I view God. And when it's loving ourselves, it's how I view myself. And now, with loving others is so good. How do I view others? Because I think what we can do a lot of times is we're looking at others and we're like, well, they just blank, blank, blank. Well, they just think that they blank, blank, blank. Well, they just think that this political thing is right. Well, they j- And we start to, everything now, the way we treat them is actually based on how we view them. Uh oh, our view and our gaze has shifted. We're looking at them, and now we're not looking at him. And now we're not viewing them the way he is viewing them. Because if we could view them the way he does, suddenly our heart starts to shift and turn (sighs) with grace with compassion, with love, with excitement and desire for what God's going to do in their lives. And so, it's how do we view others? And we need to evaluate our heart in that, especially, I think, everybody's heart's been exposed over the last couple years, for sure. Uh, People are more verbal and vocal about what they think and how they view things, right? And so, (laughs) we're, we're... Trying not to, yeah, hate them. I'm serious. Honestly, I'm, top, I'm tapping to that. I think there are probably those of us in this room who literally have hatred in our heart towards others because of how they view things, how they believe, how they live their life. And I don't know that maybe we've realized that it's that we've developed it there. But the, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal it today. Okay. And then when we talked about loving God, we talked about He is worthy. Loving ourselves means I am worthy of His love. And then loving others is others are worthy of His love too. Others are worthy of His love. No matter their sin, no matter their beliefs, No matter how they look, no matter how they act, no matter how they've treated you, they're worthy of his love, too. Um, John 13, 35. I have two more verses. John 13, 35. Okay, it says, All people will know that you are my followers if you love each other. A lot of times when we talk about this verse, I think that a lot of times we talk about how do Christians love other Christians? Well, yes, that's true, too. But also, how do you love people who aren't Christians? How do you love people who don't believe like you? How do you love people who don't agree with your political viewpoint? How, how do you love others? That is the way that he will know if we are his. That's how he knows. All right, and then this is the one I want to end on with this. It's Matthew 24, 12. Um, I just read this in the one-year Bible a couple of weeks ago. I shared it with Aaron, and he was like, that's so good. And then the other day, he was like, don't preach on Matthew 24-12. And I said, I'm using Matthew twenty four twelve. <laughs> that was my revelation. Don't you take it from me. I'm kidding. Uh, Matthew twenty four twelve. it says, listen to this. I want you to get this. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Oh. I felt feel like a slap on the wrist when I read that. Well, more than that, like a punch in the gut when I read that. Because of the increase of wickedness. Why are we surprised? The Bible talks about this. But because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Man, I'm telling you, I think in 2021 that that was me. Something happened to me in the beginning I know it's only February, don't judge me, but something happened at the beginning of 22. And I'm like, I'm like a different person. I am! And we're almost to the end of February, and I still feel like I'm on a roll. You know, like that January, like, you're on a roll for 21 days? I still feel like I'm on it, and I'm excited because I was very afraid I would fall off, which I told you guys that. I'm still on it. It's good to know. Um, but man, has your love grown cold? When I read this, I mean, I obviously, I think a lot about, like, all the stuff in our culture. All the stuff with just all the racial stuff going on. All the political stuff. I mean, there is an increase in wickedness. And, man, the tactic of the devil to tilt our eyes so that all we pay attention to is the junk. And the next thing you know, we don't love nobody. Barely love our spouse and probably don't even love ourselves. And so it is true, and it is so important for us to be aware. And uh, I believe that the Holy Spirit is just convicting and showing us in our hearts where our love has gold, grown cold. Do you know how you'd know if your love grows cold in like practical ways? I like what Brittany did, the practical, how she shared that. That was really good. Um, but it, wa- it would be like, how do you respond to people? How, how do you respond to your family? Now, I know we, get, you know we all have bad days. We all have, like, times, right? I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, like, consistently. How do you respond to the people that are your closest people in your life? Maybe, if that's kind of ugly, maybe it's your love has grown cold. If you read something on social media and you instantly get angry, maybe your love has grown cold. I'm not talking about like a righteous anger where you know that it's like the Lord that's like, no, I'm talking about you just get mad. You read that, you're like, what in the world is with that? Like maybe your love has grown cold. So it's just a little shake up today. Just a little bit of correcting and some reminding. But I want to encourage you now. With Psalm 25:15, and this is this is a prayer that David prayed in Psalms, and it says, "My eyes are always looking to the Lord," and he needed direction in this part of the of the Psalms that he was writing. It was a prayer for direction primarily. And his eyes, he said, "My eyes are always looking to the Lord," and I am not saying that my eyes are always looking to the Lord. I want them to be. And after today, I believe that all of us are going to have a deeper revelation, understanding, and even, I think, a holy conviction of when our hearts shift, or when our eyes shift. And I do think that, like, as we move along on our days, that we're going to be like, ooh. You're, I think there's going to be a heightened recognizing that we're not gazing on upon him. And uh, David knew that the only way he would be guided, the only way he could continue on is if he kept his eyes looking towards the Lord. And so, I just my encouragement for you today. Okay, so we can play music or something. There he is. Um, I want you to spend, like, we're going to take five minutes. I'm not going to make you talk to anyone in a group, Zach. <sighs> I really wanted to, but Steve did it last week, so it's like, maybe we just take a break from that. So let's just do, I feel like maybe we could do some personal reflection, okay? I believe, like I said, that the Holy Spirit brought, brought bring in, still to bring conviction upon y'all and myself, and I want you to get out like your phone or a notebook or something to take some notes. So jot some stuff down. Whatever the Lord speaks to you, if you're like, the Lord doesn't speak to me, that's a lie. He does. It's just figuring out how do you hear him? Is it a thought that pops into your mind? Do you actually hear an audible voice? Is it a Bible verse that comes to your mind? Is it something that someone says that the Lord speaks through them to you? No matter what, the Lord speaks to you. You need to know that. That is truth. We teach the kids that. Man, I taught the four, five, and six-year-olds a couple weeks ago. It was awesome. There was like ten or twelve of them in there. And I was like, the Lord is always speaking. God is always talking to you. I want you guys to draw or write something you hear or see. Or a word or whatever. And like a couple of them were like, No, I don't hear God. They were like real confused. And I'm like, no, you really do. I said, just close your eyes and picture Jesus. And the next thing I know, every single kid in that room, these are four, five, and six-year-olds, come down with some powerful pictures words drawing. So yes, he's always speaking. And the the analogy I love to use is like radio wavelengths. Radio is always going. It's just a matter of what we're tuned into. So he's always speaking, but are we tuned in? And so there you go. There's no excuses. You do hear him. But I think the questions that you could ask yourself, one of them is like the basic. Am I gazing on him? Am I? Also, does my life and my love for others, for myself and others, reflect that I'm gazing on him? Because maybe you're like, I don't really know if I'm gazing on him. Okay, look at your life and how you treat others and how, how you love others. Okay, that will give you a clue if you're, like, truly gazing on him. And then last, if not, if it's, if it's not, then why? What or who am I gazing on? That's important, too, is figuring out what am I looking at? What, what does all of my life decisions come from? Well, whose whose ideas am I basing my choices off of? Where's my what's my foundation? Who am I even blind brand Why do I do what I do? Okay, you need to figure that out. What are you looking at? Who are you looking at? And then figuring out how do I shift my gaze? How do I tilt? How do I make a pivot? And and if you don't know, I th- like the Lord will tell you. He will show you. He will reveal that to you. But I'm believing for deep revelation encounters. And you got five minutes. I'm gonna do five minutes. It says 11:46. At 11:41, 11:51, we will pray and end and be be done. I know it's a little late. I'm sorry. You guys okay? Leave if you want. It's fine. Okay. So Lord, thank you that you you only desire us. You, you and not in like an angry control freak kind of way, but in a genuine love. That is that's just who you are. It's what you want from us. And so we just know that in that, in your loving kindness, in your goodness, that you do correct us. And so today I just ask, Lord, that, that we would be open to that correction, Lord, but that you would reveal yourself to us. Maybe it's just a new revelation of who you are. Maybe it's a revelation of who we are in you. Or maybe it's just a a conviction or a revelation of how we view others and love others. Maybe it's all three. No matter what, Holy Spirit, we just know that you're coming. Come. Just thank you for that. if you guys would come up while I pray, and then if you want more prayer, if you are puzzled, if you're stumped, if you're like, I don't know, come up and get prayer from someone up here. They can just at least pray with you and just cover you in that. Man. Okay, let's put our hands on our heart. Lord, you are so good, and every single thing that you've spoken to us this morning we declare that it is covered and sealed, not to be lost in our thoughts, not to be questioned, but to be deep, deep, deeply rooted in our heart and at the forefront of our minds. That there are things that you've spoken to us this morning, visions and pictures that you've given, that are going to be the things that that. Uh, We're reminded of every single day this week and in weeks to come, months to come, years. Let me just declare that to the best of our human ability, that you would be the one thing that we gaze on, that you would be the center. You would be the lenses that we view God, we view ourselves, and we view others through that's in our human ability, and then Lord, we just ask that it's supernaturally, only by the power of your spirit, we could even go deeper in you, loving you, understanding you, loving ourselves and loving others, and we just thank you, and we know, and we're confident that in all of this, this is how your kingdom advances, and how the world is changed for your glory, and they experience freedom, it's not that we want to change somebody's bad behaviors in a sense it's we want to see people set free and walking in freedom and wholeness and your hope and we know that this is key and so we just say yes and we thank you lord and we love you love you love you love you love you love you, love you. in Jesus name amen